Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. And welcome to the second segment of the PBL podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Woody, how you doing, Woody? Woody says, woof. And you know what he says? Well, if he could, because he's a dog and he can't talk. But he says, go over to our website, pblpodcast.com. All of our social media links are there. And click on the YouTube link and subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe. You can watch my TikTok videos on the YouTube so you don't have to get on TikTok. And those Chinese people won't be monitoring you. Anyway, um, powerful stuff coming out of the news right now with the riots and the protests. I don't even know if they're protests anymore. They're pretty much just riots. But the left is just gone completely crazy, in my opinion. They've gone too far, and it's starting to hurt them in the polls, and they know it. They know they've gone too far, so they got to back this thing up and now start blaming Trump. So you're going to hear that, and you're going to hear it a lot. Now, if, if you, I'm, I'm having another video and I know this is on audio, but uh, there's another um, article here at a red state. Uh, Senator Rand Paul and wife attacked by BLM mob after leaving the White House. Now, if you go on Twitter, you can find a ton of these videos. And I'm not going to play the audio on this one because it really uh, isn't going to play over any audio. You hear noise, noise, noise. But what's happening is Rand Paul leaves the uh, speech, Donald Trump's speech, the final night of the Republican National Convention convention and he's basically attacked by a mob he's surrounded attacked he's surrounded by a mob i mean angry mob yelling at him i mean if i were Rand paul and i'm sure he was he had to be scared out of his mind remember Rand paul was attacked by his neighbor and lost part of his lung because of it and i mean he had to go through a lot of rehabilitation and now you got this huge mob and it was a mob angry mob around him and he's got police officers protecting him but one police officer gets knocked out knocked over almost and Rand paul goes to help the guy this is the left you cannot tie this around donald trump's neck you just can't do it there's other videos on twitter too where um people were leaving the convention and they were just attacking the this blm antifa crowd whatever it is whoever they are we're just there's one video i saw of this older couple leaving the convention uh, the, which was at the white house and they they, they were sitting there yelling them right in their face flipping them off in their face it was disgusting this is the left how do the democrats get this albatross from around their neck. I don't know. I don't know if they can. I think it's too far gone. I think it's too late. But they they own it. It needs to stay around their neck because they they are the ones that fueled this fire according to Joe Biden. It wasn't um it wasn't the right. So there's a me there's there's also another narrative that the left is trying to throw out there. And this narrative is with the number of deaths. Now, again, there's two main themes that 
the left are going to try to tie Trump to. One is COVID-19. And the COVID-19 is an umbrella. Underneath that umbrella is the economic crisis. Underneath that umbrella is the jobless rate. Uh, underneath that umbrella is the infection rate, the death rate. So COVID-19 is a huge umbrella that they're going to use. And you know what? It's I would too if I were in their shoes. I mean, that's all they got. If it wasn't for COVID-19, our country would be on fire and they'd, they'd have literally nothing, nothing. And now what they're going to try to do, and this is not going to work for them, it will fail. Now they're going to try to tie this all these riots and violence around Trump's neck. It ain't going to work. But you go back to COVID, and I'm hearing this a lot from the media, also known as the left, that we are 4% of the world's population, yet we have 25% of the world's deaths. That's, that's their narrative right now. So let's break that down a little bit. One is, it's it's a, just a, 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 super, a number, the statistic doesn't even, doesn't make any sense it, it, unless it's a political soundbite, which was it, what it is, because you look at uh, car accidents, you look at all other kinds of deaths, cancer and all that. You could, do, you could say the same thing for all of this. And then the media does this on the left, same thing, do it all the time. They do it with gun violence. They do it all the time. They always try to tie the, uh, our population to their population, meaning other countries. So here, here's the populations. China is the most populous nation in the world. They have 18.2% of the world's population, followed very closely by India. They have 17.5%. Now, India, by the way, I think in a few years, will be the most populous nation in the world. They are closing in on China because, you know, China has uh, or had the one-child policy. I think India eventually is going to be the world's most populous nation. Doesn't matter in the conversation. It's just one of my one-offs. But, I mean, 18 over 18% in China, almost 18% for India of the world's population. These two countries are close to 40%, right? 36, 37-something that's amazing. These two India is not as big as China either. And then the United States is third with 4.29% of the population. You, in, did you know that we were third? I mean, you probably did. Smart, smart crowd that listens. It's in this, this realm of the political theater. So we are the third most populous nation in the world with about, what, 330-some I've seen numbers between 330 and 340 million, right? 330 million, 340 million. So it's just 335 million people in the United States. Now, all right. So yeah, so I'll give them, they're right. We got 4% of the world's population. Well, all right, big whoop. Now, as far as Corona deaths, you got to go as a percent of the population. Uh, San Marino is number one in most deaths per number of population. And the percent is 0.13343. Mm -hmm. Peru is number two, the percent is 0 0.08753. So per population, these countries have more deaths than Corona statistically. San Marino is number one, Peru number two, Belgium, Andorra, United Kingdom, Spain, Chile, I just want to say it that way, Italy, Sweden, Brazil, United States. We're number 11 on this list. Now, all these deaths are bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the, any death due to an illness um, outside of natural causes and, you know, natural causes, deaths are, are, you know, devastating to families too. Death is just devastating. We as humans don't take death well. Well, we as Americans, I'll say, we don't take death well. 
I mean, I, I know several people that are from India and they have a whole different philosophy on death because they believe in reincarnation. So if somebody dies, they just know they're going to come back. But in the United States, man, we just do not handle death well. And then, of course, our media leftists that they are uses this as a wedge when it suits them. And right now it suits them. So that whole nonsense of we have 4% of the population, 25% of the death really is just a political talking point. It's just rhetoric. It's just doing exactly what Biden was saying uh, that Trump is doing or that Kellyanne Conway was doing by saying we can use this to advance our agenda. Or it's the same thing as what Rahm Emanuel said when don't ever let a crisis go to waste or never let a crisis go to waste. So the media has fixated on 4% of the population, 25% of deaths. And, you know, this is going to be the wedge. They're going to continue to use this throughout the entire cycle. You are not going to hear the end of it. It's going to go on and on unless it doesn't work. It doesn't stick. And I don't think it will. I, I, I don't think this is going to stick. I think the Democrats are going to continue to use COVID-19 as a wedge to, to make Orange Man bad. They're going to continue to do that. But I, I don't think that 4%, 25% is going to resonate with people. People are smarter than that. You got to give people more credit. I think what's going to continue to happen is all the riots and all of the violence is going to continue to hurt the Democrats, and it's going to continue to be the albatross around their neck. And that, with Biden's cognitive decline, is how Trump is going to win this election. Because truth be told, um, with the numbers, the economic numbers, he should lose. I mean, these numbers are horrible. You know, the highest unemployment rate, uh, businesses closing down, the economy is, I won't say it's in a free fall, it's not in a free fall, stock market is up. But this all is bad. I mean, even the deaths, all of this. But Americans are smarter than that. And they know that the president isn't entirely responsible for all of those deaths. Now, the hardcore left are going to continue to say that he's responsible for all those deaths. That's just who they are. But he's, you know, and, and could he have done things differently? Absolutely. Could he have done things better? I don't know. I, personally, my opinion, we shouldn't have shut down. But hey, I would have been blamed for all these deaths. If I was in charge and we didn't shut down, I would have been vilified by the press. Oh, my God. If I was in charge and we didn't shut down, the press would have gone completely apeshit on me. So I don't think Trump really had a choice. Now, there you hear this all the time where Trump doesn't listen to the experts. Well, okay. The experts told him not to limit travel from China to America. Fauci said that wasn't a good idea. The experts told him not to do that, but he did it anyway. And then Joe Biden calls him xenophobic and racist for doing it. And eventually Joe Biden had to, had to reverse that and realize, okay, maybe that was a good idea. He did that early on. Remember this number, these dates, the World Health Organization labeled this a pandemic on March 11th. The United States government, ran by Donald J. Trump, labeled this a pandemic March 13th, January 31st. Now, wait a minute, calendar, wait a minute, I'm confused. January is before March. Hmm. January 31st is when he shut down travel from China. So I just, people aren't buying in to the rhetoric 
that Trump is responsible for 170,000 deaths. And but the media and the left, again, two of the same, that's all they got. If they don't play on that, then what are they going to what do they have? And then these riots and all these protesters, they're all on the Democrats. I got one I'm going to play audio for for you. Listen to this audio and then I'm going to explain it to you. So let me explain what you just heard. That was a protest. They were a bunch of a BLM protest. And uh, the majority of them, if not all of them, were white people. I won't say kids because one of the ladies yelling, if you heard, are you a Christian, was uh, a little bit older. But the majority of them were white kids. I mean, you know, late teens, early 20s. I say kids. I'm a little older, so I can say that. But here's what you heard, what the scene was. Two ladies are having dinner or drinks. They're at a patio outside of a restaurant, enjoying themselves, paying for uh, services with their hard-earned money to have a nice evening. And along comes this crowd of these, I'm going to say it, privileged white kids, probably suburban white kids that have glommed onto this Black Lives Matters movement because they have zero idea of what it's about. And they go to all the patrons at this restaurant. All of them have their fist in the air and they demand that all of the people that are sitting down, paying their money to have either drinks or food at this restaurant, put their fist in the air in solidarity of the BLM movement. Think about if that happened to you, would you do it? The lady that was being yelled at didn't do it. Now, her friend or companion or, you know, whoever she was having her night with, dinner, drinks, whatever it was, did it. And she's sitting there with her hand up. So the whole crowd starts yelling in this at this woman. And one of them asking, yelling, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And then they're like, you know, putting their fist up and chanting. And to make this woman comply and acquiesce to their demands, would you do it? Would you do it if that this crowd, and it's a fairly large crowd, maybe 30, 40 people, all yelling in your face, no justice, no justice, are you a Christian? You know, telling you, put your hand up, your fist in the air, or we will do this. We will yell at you. We will, uh, we will attack you. We will, I mean, would you do it? I wouldn't do it. And you know what I would do? Because if I sat down at a restaurant, and I'd be with, and I would be with my family, for the most part. So I'd have my son there. Maybe my daughter would be over. You know, she's 19 now. She's out on her own. And uh, my wife. And we'd sit down for a lovely evening. And if they came over to our table and started doing this, now I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, they, they better not do that or they're going to lose teeth. No, no, that's not what I do. If that happened to me, I would just look at them. I wouldn't even give them time of day or attention. I'd leave. And yes, I'd leave without paying the bill because I wouldn't I wouldn't put my family in that situation. My first response would be to get out of that situation. If the restaurant wasn't able to get people out of there and to protect the people because that's their job, if I come into your establishment, you know what? 
you need to keep these people at bay. You need to be a part of that. None of that happened in the video. I don't know. It's only a 60 second clip. So maybe it did, but I'd be like, I'd, I'd try to get the weight over and said, listen, I'll come back and square this bill with you later, but I'm taking my family out of here. And I would leave. I, I wouldn't put up with that nonsense and I wouldn't address it. I wouldn't engage. I would completely ignore them because that's what they deserve. They're looking for attention. That's all they're, they're, these are just middle-class white kids that have no purpose in life and have glommed onto this movement because they're useful idiots and have no idea what they're doing and they're just wanting attention. Hey, I grew up in the black community, all right? I don't talk about this too much. I haven't talked about it in a while, but I grew up in the black community. I grew up in poor, poor neighborhoods. I grew up, I went to schools, uh, grade schools where I was pretty much the minority, very few white people. I was one of the only white persons there. Uh, and you know how it, infect, it, it impacted me? Nothing. I mean, it, I, I've, I have seen good people in the black community. I've seen bad people in the black community. I've seen good people in the white community, Asian community, and I've seen bad. That's how it impacted me. I've learned through that experience that this isn't how they think. Not all, but are there contingencies in the culture? Absolutely. But for these kids to grab onto this cause without any education of what they're doing and, and not realizing how just completely totalitarian their actions are, they're actually demanding you, you put your fist up or else they will harass you. They have no idea what how that what they're doing. How that's extortion. How that's fascism, which they all fight against. How that's totalitarian. I mean, I saw somebody, and I can't remember who said this, and I wish I could because I would give them credit for this. But I saw somebody saying the left now is the party of free speech suppression. They're the party that suppresses free speech, and the right now is the party that allows free speech. This is the left, your modern leftism right now. And it's a fringe. It's not all of them, but it is a lot of them enough to where they're making this kind of noise and this kind of impact where it's on the nightly news or seeing all these videos. And they're disrupting people's lives for whatever purpose they think they're trying to promote. And they're not. The BLM movement has not helped black people. I would love to have a debate with somebody who thinks it has. I grew up in that community. I've seen it firsthand. And if you look at, you know, they love to put out statistics like 4% of the population and 25% of the death. Well, put out how many, how has this statistically helped black lives since this whole movement came about? And I believe it was 2015 with the Trayvon Martin shooting, either 2015 or 2017. It hasn't. There, there's been no advancement in black lives for this. None whatsoever. Then you compare and contrast the Republican convention and they brought up black people to tell their story. And it was a more powerful story, a powerful of a story of uplifting yourself and taking care of yourself and empowering yourself. That's not what the BLM movement is doing. So uh, you have to excuse my rant on that. It's just one of those things. And it's like unbelievable that I saw that video. And I mean, if that happened to me, yeah, I wouldn't be putting my fist up. I saw a kid one day walking down the street, black kid, and he's just walking by himself down the street uh, with his fist up. Like, really? It's like, this is not going to help 
This is not helping. And now the Democrats, they're, they've got this albatross around their neck. How do they control it? How do they rein it in? Well, they can't. They, they can't. So what are they going to do? They're going to blame Trump. So he's already a racist, which he's not, but they're going to blame Trump. All right. Hey, one last story of the day. This is kind of um, uh, a fun story. We'll end this Friday podcast on. Here's the headline, uh, and then I'll play the video. Uh, ready for this? Poop-soaked phone rescued from National Forest Toilet. <laughs> Listen to this. It was that exact scene at a vault toilet very similar to this one near Holland Lake on the Flathead National Forest where one Helena woman did exactly that. The phone fell into the vault toilet and she assumed it was lost. That was until the sanitation company that cleans out the toilet found it. I was kind of in shock. I was like, whoa, there's, there's a phone. <laughs> Looks like a nice one. And then I told Cody, it was, oh, okay. And then so we... Uh, um, we tried to, not to suck it up or whatever, and then uh, he, uh, I told him to get the grabbers, so we have some some grabbers that can grab like bottles and stuff, and uh, so he he grabbed them out. Cody grabbed them out. So when the crew over at A1 on, Sanitation no, found the phone, they decided, you know what, let's see if we can get this thing to work. So they sanitized it, they let it dry out for a few days, and they decided they would just plug it in to see if it would even work. And lo and behold, it powered on. And that's just when their search began. I went up to uh, the Verizon store and stood in line. So <laughs> they pull the phone out of the toilet. It's covered in poop. And they turn it on and it works. <laughs> what an iPhone advertisement that is. Now, the story goes on. They actually um, found the woman who owned the phone. And her comment to them was, well, you guys must be, you might, you guys must be cleaning out toilets because that's the last place I saw that phone. So the question I have. <laughs> would you take it back? <laughs> would you want that phone back after it's fell in the toilet? Now, you know, you got all your videos and all that stuff on it, unless you backed it up on the iCloud. But <laughs> yeah, you get your poop phone back. But hey, kudos to Apple, man. Talk about uh, some great marketing of how well their phones do. Drop it in a pile of shit and that phone's going to still work. <laughs> anyway, hey, thanks for listening to this uh, episode of the PBL podcast. We really do appreciate it. Last week, uh, you know, the weeks end in the podcast world, at least this podcast world, every Wednesday night. And uh, we had again, once again, the absolute best week that we have. We just keep growing every week more and more. So I appreciate all of you who are listening. And thank you to those who have gone over to the YouTube channel and have subscribed. We had an uptick in subscribers. But please check us out at the pblpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link and subscribe. Remember my dog, Woody? How you doing, Woody? Wolf, Woody's sleeping. Dog sleeps so well. And check us out. You know, all my media handles are on there our media handle is the pbl podcast you can find us on all of them instagram facebook uh twitter tiktok and of course twitter and tiktok are the ones i'm on a lot if you want to interact with me hit me up on tiktok the pbl podcast and uh i do like to interact with people i if you're commenting on my tiktok videos you're generally going to get me to like your comment or react to your comment and have a lot of conversation so having a lot of fun on tiktok so hope the chinese are too as they are watching so again thanks for listening to this episode of the pbl podcast politics and brown liquor <laughs>